welcome to the Sexy Freedom Media Podcast. A place to discuss pain, passion, and pursuits. I want to feel alive. Breathe. Make some moves. Protect the throne. This is Sexy Freedom Media Podcast. What's up, everybody? It's Helen Edwards with the Sexy Freedom Media Podcast, and this is episode 40. And my special guest today is Susan Dufo. Dufo. <laughs> I didn't want to butcher the last name. It's perfect. Oh my God, I'm so excited. It's so good to see you. Yes, it's you been too. been really long. Well, just for a background, where me and Susan met is uh, how many years ago? Three, almost four. Four years ago, we met at a medical company that we were both working at. She actually interviewed me, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did, yeah. As a medical biller. Mm-hmm. And I remember we struck up a conversation because the books that you had in your office, they're very similar to books that I read on self-help, self-improvement. Right. And next thing we know, we are talking more about what we do or more of our interests. Yes, what really we like in life instead of what we're getting paid for. Exactly. And then life kind of went on. And then I saw in an email at the company when you gave your resignation. Yeah. And I remember saying, keep in touch. Yes, that's right. And we were Facebook friends. And then I just followed you and you kind of followed me. But of course, we follow all different types of people. Of course. And then recently, you've been going through some of your... Uh, own journey, mm-hmm. deeper journey, exciting health challenges that change your life forever. Yes, mm-hmm. and I want to get into that. But first, yeah. I want to know what happened after you gave your resignation because that was so big for you. I remember thinking, "Oh my God!" In the she email, you kind of stated going after your true passion. I yes. remember seeing that. Yes, and that's when I was really blown away because you announced it to the whole company. Yeah. Yes, and I. It's so funny because. Three weeks before I gave my notice, I said to someone, I want to be the kind of person that can walk away from a six-figure income and trust fall into the arms of the divine. Like, I just want to rely on great spirit and do what I know I'm meant to do. And um, she's like, yeah, you can be that. And three weeks later, I was like, I'm out. Like, I can't not, right? You have to do your calling. Right. And how was that feeling leading up to making that decision? It was terrifying. It was really scary. And I was fortunate. I had a husband at the time. And so, you know, a lot of people will be like, well, it was easy for you. You had a husband. I'm like, no, still not easy. Cause I was the breadwinner in the family. So I had a husband and I still was going to need to make some coin doing what I loved in order to thrive. Right. Interesting that you say I had a husband. I did have a husband. (laughs) (laughs) So something tells me that you've not just went through some physical journey. You also went through some um, heart journey too. I did. I did. It's been a crazy 2000, uh, let's see, 2018, I moved out uh, of the home I had with my husband. We've been together for five years and we just, he's amazing. I'm amazing. You know, I never believe in leaving because I left because I could no longer stay full and happy inside the container of that marriage. And we both had gotten so much healing and growth out of it. Like it just was time for both of us and we're still in touch. It ended great. We're good friends. He is so much happier. Like when I see him and I even said to him, I'm like, you look so much happier. And he said, yeah, I'm 
finding myself again. I love that. Isn't that cool? <laughs> that is cool. Because I think people get into relationships, myself included, and we start to modify mm-hmm. just a little bit. Well, he likes to get up early. I like to stay. I like to sleep in, but I'm going to get up early. And then, you know, a year later, you're getting up early, hating every minute of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Just using your hands as the other. Right. So, um, anyway, yeah. So that happened. And then in May of 19, I was diagnosed with stage 3C bilateral breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So um, that was another big thing. So a move, a divorce, and then another move and treatment. And so it's been crazy. Yeah. And thankfully, I, unlike many people that go through chemo and surgery and radiation, I was able to work. So I'm so grateful. I did scale back a little bit with, you know, I'm a, I'm a spiritual life coach. I own the Dufault Difference Life Coaching. Mm-hmm. And um, so I... I scaled back a little bit, but I was still able to, able to see my clients. I even took on a couple of new people during that time. Just, nice. Yeah, just being really candid. You know, I'm going to work and I'll be available to you as I can. But um, it was beautiful. So that was the one thing I think that really, that and my new partner, that really kind of kept me solid during that. Dark. I love that. There's love after Amen. divorces. And, yeah. The best. Yeah. If you're if you're no longer happy with your partner, I say your soul contract is done. You have another obligation to fulfill with another soul in the world. That's beautiful and it's truthful because yeah. it is, and it's hard for people to believe that because it's the unknown. Mm-hmm. And all the stigma. But this was my second divorce. I was married twenty five years oh the first gosh. time. <laughs> There's a lot of stigma about that, and yet. Like I had one client who left my services because of my divorce and um, I supported her in doing what felt good for her and said, I want someone that's been through it. I want someone that's living their authentic life. I want someone who's not lying and staying in a marriage because how it will look to other people. Right. So it was huge growth for a lot of us, you know, people in my circle as well. Mm -hmm. And I could tell that you, you just, from meeting you... Those four years ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember what you looked like. And right? you were still, you were beautiful. Yeah. But yeah. who is sitting in front of me right now? Let me tell you guys. <laughs> she is like a rock star. She's shining. You're bright. Like you're, you're gleaming all of this soul energy. And it's so cool. It's so Thanks. cool to see the transition. Yes. From, Isn't that amazing when you do what you love? Like you. That's why yeah. you're so stunningly drop dead damn gorgeous. <laughs> and I still <laughs> like her, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I, we do what we love. When we do what we love, and I'm still going through that transition, and I'm sure you are yes. too. It's always evolving. Mm-hmm. What got you into the path of the spiritual life coaching? Like, was it a calling? Did you feel it inside? I mean, you could have been any type of life I coach. I could have. For me, I was raised in a pretty religious family. We were um, Protestant, Lutheran, you know, and then I was born again, Christian and charismatic. And I just was exploring all these faith traditions. And then um, I started coaching with a woman who's a student of A Course in Miracles. And that sort of became my favorite spiritual text. And my life just opened. And I had this beautiful friend at work, Sandy, um, when I worked for Hospice of Arizona, who introduced me to Buddhism. And uh, everyone was so gentle about you know, bringing other ideas into my awareness because I was very rigid in my thinking from my upbringing. Right. So I think because I got so much freedom by exploring faith traditions and seeing 
what really resonates for me about who I am and how I want to be in the world. That's why I picked that as a focus. Okay. And I've worked with all kinds of people and I love that. I know so many faith traditions because when I'm working with Christians, if they want to hear Bible verses, I know those. And you know, when I'm working with right. ACIM people, I know that, but I've worked with atheists too. And that too, I had two clients that were atheists, which were two of my most rewarding experiences. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it was a calling. I couldn't not. When you work with these, your clients, what, is, what do you feel that they get the most out of working with you? Well, we're really, my focus is really about unraveling all of the bullshit that was put on top of the truth, capital T, of who we are. Mm. So I'm all about going after what's in our subconscious mind that's imprinted, programmed, and culturized by the American culture in particular. Um, I think we do a really heavy job of programming women. Um, and so I'm all about trying to find out what's back there that's running us. Mm-hmm. Like, are you staying in a marriage because you believe it's wrong and bad to leave, but you're unhappy, yes. right? right? Or are you not getting married because you're afraid you'll have to stay forever, mm-hmm. right? Like, so really looking at um, imprinting and programming from that time so that we're free to make choices. I love the word that you used, unraveling. Mm-hmm. That's huge. It, it, it does take that unraveling to get in there and it dish it all out. Right? I'm always like, we'll pull the threads, right? And so then by the time I've worked, you know, I have some clients I've worked with for years, and I'm like, okay, listen, one tiny thread left here, let's grab it, you know, and then we'll go after it. Right. And it could be anything. Like recently for me, I'm working with some partners learning some new coaching skills that I like. And um, I had this awareness that I didn't dream or vision, right? We're all about visioning. Mm-hmm. And I realized because my home was so dangerous, I was worried about living from day to day. And so I didn't ever develop that muscle. So that was just, you know, like an example of an imprinting. Don't dream because you got to get through today. And then it was like, oh wait, that's an old maladaptive Mm -hmm. program. A very adaptive program is to do whatever I want. It's so true. Isn't it crazy how you hear something or learn something that wakes you up yes and then you're able to see that become aware of it and decide whether you're going to change it or not exactly and then you're able to help people in those areas because you did it to yourself or you applied it to yourself that's right right and i love that i was thinking about that when i was listening to some of your podcasts it's like there's almost this if i can do it you can too energy Mm -hmm. which is one of the things that I hold very much in common with you that I love about you is it's not about competition. It's about collaboration. Mm -hmm. And that has been my focus before I started doing this full time. I was coaching for years part time before I did it full time. But when I left, I just was determined that I wasn't ever going to step on anyone else or make their style better wrong. I was just going to pursue what I knew I needed to offer. Right, right. Um, you, what you were saying about us, you know, cause mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much we had in common yeah. either until I started looking at where My you're stuff. at in life. Right. And there's so many things that I see in people that inspire me, you leaving the job and announcing it to the workplace right. was huge right. for me anyways, at that moment yeah. in time. Right. And I remember thinking, I can't wait to be, I mean, I'm just going to be honest yeah. at that time. I was saying, I can't wait to be her age to do that. Yes. At that moment in time, I didn't realize age has nothing to do with it. Yes. You know, it was really the decision that you made and the, the courage you got to do that. Right. And in that moment, you undervaluing, because that's something you've talked about, is how much you've learned to value yourself and mm-hmm. like and love yourself. And mm-hmm. it was you just not realizing you already could do it. 
Yes. Right? right. I mean, I don't have to wait 10 years. Yeah. Exactly. And look at you that. here today. I love it. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's the best. And you don't think how much you're placing that, that judgment. Uh, you, you think you're judging the other person, but really you're putting that, it's like a, it's like you're stacking a brick on what you really want to do. You're yes. making the load heavier. By for believing yourself. that there's right. X has to happen first, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I have to replace all my current grind nine to five income and then mm-hmm. I can quit. No, actually, let's just trust something bigger than us is going to handle it. Right. Right. And it was during that time that I was first writing my book, mm-hmm. Nothing Sexier Than Freedom. And I swear that book was my therapy I and bet. really made me come out of my show. Mm. And I've never had any coaches or any. Uh, mentors or any of that in my life but that book you know I swear the I always say this universe is going to get you somewhere or another that's right because everybody needs some kind of coaching mentoring or help release or release something something to show you the way Mm -hmm. and I've I was raised in a very proud prideful Mm -hmm. home Mm -hmm. and I took that on myself right that getting any help from others was a weakness yes and it's honestly it's still embedded in me a, a little, little bit, bit today yeah. yeah but the universe got me through the book right it, you helped that, yourself yes yes that became my coach my therapy my awakening showing me my life mm-hmm. my programming right so you got to do your own unraveling mm-hmm. that's amazing yeah when you i, I want to bring it up to speed yeah because you recently went through the cancer. Right. And i that's when I really started looking at what's going on in your life. Yeah. I was surprised you were still doing your coaching. Because I did see it on there. Yeah. And I thought, how is she doing... Where is she finding the strength to do that? Mm-hmm. It was crazy. I'll tell you, um, cancer is the biggest gift I've ever had. Mm. And that, like, is ridiculous. But... So true. I have healed and awakened in so many ways because of it. And um, it was really just one foot in front of the other. You know, it really was the next thing, the next thing. And if anyone's been through it, and maybe it's probably like this with other health issues, this was the biggest health issue I faced, but it's so fast. So, you know, I, I had a abnormal mammo in April the end of April, like April 26th, by May 8th, I was diagnosed by June 3rd. I was in chemo. I finished chemo in September. I had my mastectomy reconstruction in October and I started radiation in November. Like it's just, you just tackle it. It's not stop. You just have to do the thing in front of you, which was a huge gift. Mm. And those are powerful words. You just got to do the thing in front of you. Woo. (laughs) The next thing, man. And that's what I say to my clients too. It's like when we're overwhelmed, when we don't want to take the first step because we can't see the 10,000, right? It's like, what can I see? I say the headlight view, right? What can I see right here? I only have to see right here and do that. So it was a lot of that. It was like, okay, today I got to get up and go to chemo. Mm -hmm. All right. And listening, right? Listening to my body, which um, is not something I, that was not a skill I had. Mm-hmm. Especially with, if anyone's a student of A Course in Miracles, you know the belief in that spiritual thinking is the body's not real. We ignore the body. We don't even, you know, we don't give it the energy. But right now, we live in a duality world. Of Course in Miracles is all about non-duality, but we live in a dual world, right? This is, I am walking around in this body, right? right? So my coach would always say, hit your not real head against that not real wall and tell me if it not real hurts. Ah. You know? <laughs> 
that's so true. And so when I had cancer, I'm like, yeah, this not real bodies need some attention. Mm-hmm. So that was a huge shift for me. And that was sort of one of the kind of, I always call them low hanging fruits as far as gifts, healing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it was a lot of listening and pacing and, you know, other survivors. I was so blessed. I mean, people I don't even know that, you know, I was acquainted with through someone else would text me constantly and check on me and send me gifts and really gave me permission to work when you can work and rest when you need to rest. And that's kind of how I got through it. It was about eight months, I guess. Wow. Um, when you went and got your abnormal or when you found out mm-hmm. you had an ab- ab- abnormal mammogram, mm-hmm. Had you before then got an abnormal mammogram? No, I was not about self-care of the body. So I had not had a mammal since my 20s. Oh, I know. Wow. But I I had a lump, which so ridiculous. My boyfriend found. I was was so not in touch with my body. I didn't (laughs) find the lump on my breast, right? And then um, he found it and I blew it off and blew it off and blew it off. And finally, after about four weeks of him nagging me, I went... Mm-hmm. So it was um, a shock to me because I only went to prove everyone that I was fine. How big was the lump? It was um, inside it measured 2.4 centimeters. On the outside, it felt big. It felt like about the size of an egg. Mm-hmm. And when I finally That's agreed big. to go, it was because it was so painful that I couldn't sleep the covers on. Wow. So, of course, I don't know about you, but I'd always heard cancer doesn't hurt. And it's very slow growing. Well, this thing was growing fast and it hurt, so I thought it couldn't be cancer. So I just went. So they could tell me what it was and I could get an antibiotic and be fine. Okay. That was a quick thing. It was like that, yeah. (laughs) I thought it was just, oh, you need some medicine, you have an infection. But You were by yourself when they told you that it was abnormal. I actually was supposed to be because I thought it was nothing. But that day, one of my friends, her client canceled. Mm. She's like, hey, I'm not doing anything. Want me to go? And she's a psychic. So I said, Why? Do you know something? <laughs> and she said, no, I just have free time. So she was in the waiting room when they told me. So she was able to drive me home, which was awesome because I did mm-hmm. kind of lose my cool for I bet. a bit. Yeah. yeah. It's it scary. scary. Yeah. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. I don't think about mortality. Right. Right. And I don't. That was another thing that was a little different for me than I think some survivors. You know, my daughter's grown. She's 23. She's beautiful and amazing. Mm-hmm. And I... I've seen her picture. She yeah, is. She looks just like you. She's, she's like a younger you. She's so fresh. I know. I always tell her. <laughs> a little you is what I meant to say. When she says, when she says she, um, that she looks like me, I'm like, honey, maybe you'll grow out of it. I don't know. <laughs> I always try to cheer her up. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> My son looks like me, so. <laughs> it just happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I um, was not, I'm not so attached to living. Mm-hmm. I feel peaceful about what happens when I leave the body. So a lot of people would say, but you'll live, but you'll be alive, but be grateful. And I was like, eh, yeah. you know, eh. mm-hmm. it's good here, but I'm okay with there too. So right. it takes a, I think it, from what you've been through what you're saying, yeah. is it cancer that made you feel that way? No. Your piece, or was it just No, I was, yeah. I mean, I, I like it here. I'm happy. I feel I'm fulfilling my life purpose, which is just to be love in the world. Mm-hmm. I always say I have a total hippie life purpose. Yeah. You know, I just want to be love in the world. I just want to be of service. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing that. And you are. If it was time to not do that, I was okay with that too. Mm-hmm. And that was the piece. Now, when I was faced with it, there was, you know, there was some emotion in there. But I did, you know, I said to my oncologist, I, I said, I, 
I don't know if I'd be doing it if mm-hmm. I didn't have the partner that I have and the daughter. I don't know that I'd seek treatment. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's good. It's perfect. I did exactly what I was supposed to do and I've yeah. gotten a ton of things. The biggest, I always say like the 50,000 foot level healing for me about cancer. There is tons of other healings. The biggest one is that those that teach faith must walk by faith. Mm-hmm. Like we can't be telling people in the world to love themselves and to believe in something bigger and to whatever, whatever right. is our message, if we can't do it. Right. Especially in the harder times. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the big things that I go around and I talk about too is, um, you know, when you're, one of my signature talks is called Protect the Throne. Mm-hmm. And because so many people say, oh, I'm a queen, I'm a king, I'm this, I'm that. And I believe that's amazing. If if that's what you really want to believe about yourself, which we should mm-hmm. hold ourselves in high esteem. Right. However, when we are on the battlefield, which I like to say can be in the mind a lot, which that's is right. depression, oh. anxiety, whatever else you want to call it. And it's at those moments that you need to use all the tricks and tips and tools, that's tools right. that you've learned. Yes. It's when the shit hits the fan, when things get hard. That's right. And not just for yourself, but for others around you. Yes, I totally agree. And I mm-hmm. think that I love that you mentioned the battlefield of the mind because I believe that all suffering, and this is from ACIM, all suffering is a failure to protect our thoughts. Mm-hmm. If I'm suffering, I have a choice to redirect. I am 100% responsible for my experience of things. I can't control what people do, right. but I can control how I interpret it, what meaning I assign, what I do with those feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not. I can make a move. Yeah, like you, you always tell us. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, I'm still trying to figure... I say I'm still trying, but I think I've got it concrete. I, do. I think that my mind tends to wander, mm-hmm. which I, in, uh, in science terms, I say, or medical, I'll say, ah, oh, my ADHD is through the roof. Totally. But really, it's just I'm such a curious mind. Mm-hmm. I'm an explorer yes. of everything, both external and internal. Yes. Yes, but I'm you're a, a seeker. I'm a seeker, exactly. I love that yeah, about you. I ride the waves of curiosity. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Uh, let's bring you back to when you got diagnosed with cancer, because mm-hmm. you went to do your mammogram. That mm-hmm. already freaked you out. Yeah. Well, well yeah, I wasn't freaked because I thought it was going to be nothing. Okay. But when the radiologist came out, was it at that same day? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, they, the same day. Yeah, they do a, a mammo and then they have you do an ultrasound and then and then for me there was a few more films they kept having to take more pictures so they didn't did they do a biopsy not on that day on that day they they just said um he said the the radiologist was so adorable because i could see it was so hard for him to deliver the news to me Mm. i worked in hospice for 10 years i worked in the office but i had a lot of i had patient visits and i had a lot of exposure to our Mm. staff so i knew some things about what was happening and he just said, I'm very alarmed. It's very concerning. You know, when some of the medical profession is saying words like that, instead of, ah, just get it checked out to be sure. Right. I knew it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't going to be a good thing. And then I, so the next week I had a biopsy from a breast surgeon, Brenda Morthy, who's phenomenal. And she said, I said, uh, you're pretty sure it's cancer as she's doing the biopsy. And she said, I'll be very surprised if it's not. Right. Mm. And I was like, okay, here we go. Mm -hmm. And she called, well, her PA called two days later and I had, um, that, that biopsy came back first and that was stage three C. And then they did, I had some masses on the left as well. Just tiny. They thought they were calcifications. No big deal, but we're going to check them anyway, to be sure. That was one of those. They were cancer too. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that one, ironically, even though those were stage one, that was early, I probably could have kept that breast if I wanted. Um, I, that was more of a blow because I wasn't expecting it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we got that call and, you know, in the cancer world, there's all these other, you know, I had genetic testing and I had what's called an oncotype because they try to predict how likely you are to get it again in order to determine how aggressive they need to treat you. No, when you say aggressive needing to treat you, mm-hmm. um, how far did that go for you? That was, um, they came back with, um, it's called an ACT protocol is the short name for it. Um, cancer people call it the red devil chemo. Mm-hmm. AC is the red devil chemo, meaning it's the most aggressive and has the worst side effects. And so I was pretty terrified when I learned I was getting that. And I just kept going back to my truth, right? And for me, it's like a child of the divine cannot be sick. A child of the divine suffers needlessly. What am I even doing? Mm -hmm. Why am I creating this with my brain? I'm willing to redirect. I just kept trying to switch it, you know? And um, I have to tell you, Helen, I don't... It had to be something bigger than me because I... So many people that I knew were in bed, throwing up, diarrhea, lost their fingernails, lost their toenails... Of course, you know, we lose our hair, but I mean, they were so sick. I mean, people close to me had this, this treatment and were so sick and I was fine. I was fine. I was super nauseous after my first chemo. Then I found a steroid that worked. And then the rest of the time I hurt, I hurt and I was tired. So I rested, but I was so blessed and I shaved my head. I started to get, I started having panic attacks two weeks before chemo started and I was like, fuck this. Mm. I am not going to be taken out. So I shaved my head just as a way of feeling empowered and it worked. I was fine, man. I was on. Yes. <laughs> First chemo day, I was a little dicey, but you know what I mean? <laughs> but I was ready. You had a lot of fight in you, it sounds like. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once I decided I was going to fight, yeah. Yeah. It was like, and also though, Helen, I really think that for me, and one of the things that I try to teach people is there's suffering in attachment. So I really did go to my God and say, I'm willing to, to heal or die. Like whatever you have, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do whatever is the right thing for the world. Mm-hmm. And that surrender too, I think gave me some peace. Right. So peace and fight. It sounds like right. the balance Both. between the two. Yeah. Right. Like willing to do it. Like, okay, this is the next thing. Mm-hmm. And my chemo didn't really, they did chemo first to shrink the mass because it gives you a better surgical outcome. Mm-hmm. But my chemo didn't really work. The mass minimally responded. Mm-hmm. And um, so at that point, you know, when I found out my chemo hadn't worked, I had lymph node involvement. So, um, you know, I had some risk for not getting better, but I did. You did. I did. And it was, I have no cancer today. It seems like it was so fast. Right? Like within a year, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's, wow. Yeah, I was diagnosed in May and I finished treatment in January. So that's like eight months. Wow. That's... It was fast. Like a fast track, let's get it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that's weird about it is when you finish, well, for me, speaking for myself, it's like, what should I do now? Mm-hmm. Like, I got to get back to my life. What am I going to... Why am I still in bed? I'm done. But... It can take up to a year for the chemo side effects to fade. Like we have to be gentle with ourselves. And I know that's something um, I've heard you say is how hard you are on yourself and how much you expect of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's like, can we expect 
our best, mm-hmm. whatever it is on that day, instead right. of can, uh, instead of I have to hit this marker, this marker, this marker. Yes. That's been a definitely humbling experience for me, getting sick. Right. I have an autoimmune disease, and I, I think I want to say last year, the year before last year, I was sick eight months out of the whole year. Oh, Nobody knew. Brutal. You know? But I had to tell myself, you've got to rest more. I know I'm such a powerhouse, but it yes. was it was turning on me. Yes. So I had to spend a lot more time resting. And was that so hard to slow yourself down? It was so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> can see that. Yeah. Yoga has changed my life. Yes. Yoga, the meditation part of yoga. Mm-hmm. I've spent much more time in meditation, beautiful prayer and ceremony, and uh, and making it a huge part of my life more and more and more. Love it, and that has really helped me slow down. Beautiful, and has that improved your health? It's improved my health. Yes, Last I, mean, year, you, I wasn't sick still at any had months. it, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. It's helped a lot of things in my life. I'm, I don't drink as much, mm-hmm. and I'm more slower in in trying to jump in. Like I think before I jump now yes. a lot more. You can consider. Right. Like, let me consider. be intentional and deliberate, mm-hmm. which I love that gift of meditation yeah. to be able mm-hmm. to think about one thing in the moment without judgment. Right. right? Which mm-hmm. I have ADHD too. So yeah. <laughs> for people like us who yeah. are big seekers, it's mm-hmm. hard to think about one thing in the moment. Yes. I get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So let me also ask this. What was it like when you found out it's gone? Like, what was that? I cried. Like? It was awesome. It was really cool. And then I had the funniest thing. This is, you probably know this about me just from the time we've worked together is I'm such a perfectionist and I can't stand to not do things quote right. Right. (laughs) Which that's the thing I'm always trying to unravel for my clients and me. It's like, who says that's right? You know? And so I had posted when I got the news that they had gotten it all and I had good margins on my lymph nodes. I took out six lymph nodes um, and four had cancer. But, um, I posted on Facebook that I was cancer free and someone shared with me that clinically you're not really cancer free till five years. And I was so upset that I used the wrong terminology. Mm. And then my survivor friends were like, screw that. Do you have cancer in your body right now? No, you're cancer free. Right. You know, so it's just fun then to be able to be like a little bit reckless about it. Like, you know what? No, I'm not going to go you know, in the path and use the perfect vocabulary. And you and I have that in common. Yeah. I think I'm the, the most cussing spiritual yeah. coach I've ever met. Yeah. It's like, I like words and I like to use them for emphasis. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and people are going to use different terminology for different yeah. things. And it means different things for different people. What's free to you is not yes. maybe different free to them. And your intellect could be different from their intellect. And oh gosh, I know. Totally. I know Yeah. what you're talking about. And it didn't matter. So anyway, so yeah, I was really excited and and uh, grateful and yeah how did your daughter feel through all of it she was great she struggled in the beginning because um you know we had she was living with me when I left my husband and she and her boyfriend and she asked if we would if I would live with her so that it could be easier for them financially so the three of us were living together so we had moved out Mm. And then suddenly I have this diagnosis and she really wanted to take care of me. I bet. And I had started seeing someone a couple months before I was diagnosed and 
I was spending a lot of time at his place and I wanted him to take care of me. Yes. yes. And um, so it was hard. It was hard for her. She was afraid. And she really leaned in a lot where she's very independent and doesn't have a lot of need for mom, you know. I'm good because I have a 30-year career in human resources. If she needs questions about an interview, then she wants me, right? (laughs) But uh, otherwise, you know, she's still, she's 23. She's at that age where I don't know anything, right? She's got it. But during that time when there was, you know, a potential that she might not always have me, she was... Yeah, she was pretty leaned in. And, of course, she was thrilled now, you know, that I'm well. And we mm-hmm. are back to kind of a more normal space between us where we don't live together anymore. And, you know, we don't talk as often, but yeah. it's a good connection. Yeah. Wow. I see. Cool. That's, I'm, I'm sure for your children. I mean, my son's 20. Mm-hmm. Anything, I'm very careful about telling him any right. types of... Problems, oh, things that would right. worry him, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't tell her when I until I was diagnosed, mm. and um, then I went. I, I hadn't been staying at the house. I'd been staying with my boyfriend, and so I went to the house to meet with her and her fiance. Now, then he was her fiance, and so yeah, to tell them. And, so you were you were starting to see somebody right before. How has that has that brought you closer with him? Yes, and ridiculous. I mean, he is the most amazing human being I've ever met. And um, two months in, it was our two-month anniversary that I got my diagnosis. I was sitting across from him with the phone on speaker holding his hand. And uh, after we got the phone, I said, baby, you don't have to stay. Like, we can break up. We can get back together after I'm done if I make it. Like, no pressure. I never wanted to be with me because you feel sorry for me. He's like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm not letting you go. I mean, he's so amazing. And mm. one of the things I love about him, and and you probably are familiar with this because I know that you have that Native American spirituality component in your life. In the Native American traditions, a lot of times they'll pick their shaman, their healers, mm-hmm as people who have beaten death, right? Mm-hmm. Who have died or had a near-death experience because they're so powerful when you get through something like that. And my partner um, had a diving accident when he was 20 and he died three times on the way to the hospital. Wow. And he learned to walk again. And um, now he's in a chair. He's been in a chair 27 years. But um, he's my freaking hero. And he said to me, he was my best cheerleader because he said I was crying and I'm upset. Mm-hmm. And he's like, listen, it's not wrapped around your aorta. It's temporary. Yeah. Right? He's like, we're going to get through this, and then we're going to play and grow and do and be. and That's this. so awesome. Yeah. It's crazy. So awesome. It's crazy. It sounds like he's very aligned with you. He is. And he's very, um, it's funny because you had mentioned, I know people like, some, some people like king and queen and, um, Alison Armstrong is a woman who studied men and how we treat them. And she has a book called the queen's code. Mm. And it's all about, um, how as women, we have been taught, particularly in America to emasculate and demean and belittle our male partners because we think they are hairy, misbehaving little boys, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I have been the worst at that. I have been the biggest perpetrator of criticizing, particularly my first husband, because I didn't know better. I was always trying to change him. And um, I finally have learned to be more in that feminine, um, supporting and organizing, learning to receive, to be cherished and desired. Mm -hmm. And finding a partner like Matthew, who is in that protect and provide mode, um, has been life-changing. Just so, yes, he's so powerful. He's such a king. And I think that 
me getting sick really helped to cement my willingness to be vulnerable and receive from him mm. instead of try to take care of him. He was living alone. He's independent. Just because he's in a chair, he didn't need anything from me. Yeah. Right. But it's right. that natural kind of feminine nurturing, but I wasn't able to. I know. Isn't wow. that crazy? It's amazing. It's amazing. What's, so what's next for you? Do you feel? I mean, I, I know you're resting. No, I'm ready. You're ready. Oh my God. What are you ready for? Yes! <laughs> so I can't not give back to people with cancer. Mm. So I'm uh, working on, I have um, two meetups. I have uh, Healing Hearts Through Love and Miracles. And I have um, Peoria Couples in Love. So I will be adding a third meetup that will be specifically for um, people with cancer. And um, I'll be hosting free support groups. I'll probably be providing some education, getting speakers in, Mm -hmm. um, resources. I was so blessed with people funneling me resources. And and I'd be delighted to do some one-on-one coaching if that presents itself in that community. Because it's a very, what I can say about cancer is it's such a unique experience. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea. I had people very close to me go through cancer and I did not show up for them because I had no freaking clue how much they needed it. And so that changed everything for me and I even one of the people she showed up for me during this time and I recently apologized to her I said I am so sorry I wasn't there for you I had no idea and she said just pay it forward right and so that's what I want to do is really be about that soft place to land for people who are terrified and struggling or better because that's what I was going to say before it's like then you get through the cancer and it's like (gasps) what do I do what do I do right that's all I've done for eight months Mm -hmm. is fight yes right yeah and so now it's like okay what and that's why the visioning lesson came out for me because i was visioning what's next Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think that's really important is what you said about not knowing how to be there for somebody there's a lot of people who don't know how to be there and then there's there's the other half of the people that don't know what to do next or the people at the very beginning like what is happening yeah i know for myself when i went in and i got my biopsy for my um, ovarian checkup or mm-hmm. my pap smear mm-hmm. and it became, it was abnormal. I remember the same thing. I was like, what do I do? They said a term and I Googled the crap out of it for a yes. week until I got results and, and saying thing. I mean, I have a lump on my breast too. And, mm-hmm. uh, I forgot what, what is it called? That little, it's the cancer sign. It's, well, it's many signs for a lot of things. It's oh, that little, the ribbon. Yeah. The ribbon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is that called? Do you, do oh, you, I don't know. Okay, I don't know what the ribbon. I always called. call them an awareness ribbon. I don't know. Well, the ribbon I found out is actually a little because there's one inside me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's they put it inside the lump as a way to show that that's been checked. Yes, and that it's it's benign. They called it for me when they did that. They they just called it a clip. We're okay. going to insert a clip so yeah. we can track. And I remember them making the little... Yes. And I said, is that why the... It's is that the what ribbon? it is? Yeah. That's so cool. So I, I always that. say there's one in me. It's yeah. in there. I got my own ribbon going on yeah. in here. <laughs> I don't need That's a ribbon. Awesome. I got one already inside. That's, right. yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. But it's so scary for... And it's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you because there's so many people that are going through that right now yes. in the beginning stage, in the middle stage, in the after stage. That's right. And they need people to... To know that they can reach out to people like you who've Absolutely. been through it and can help them clearly 
understand. Yes. So if anyone listening to the podcast needs someone right now, please feel free to reach out to me. And um, Susan G. Komen on Facebook, they have an awesome Facebook group and they have survivors that stay there to support new mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. So like there's people on there that are 19 years clean and you know, it's just amazing. And then also um, the American Cancer Society, they actually even have people that will drive you to every appointment. They have a mentor program where you could be assigned one person to follow you through your journey. They have all kinds of amazing things. Right. So, so resources are big. Yes. Yes. And for me, it was about being willing to receive. That was my 10,000 foot lesson. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like you girl, I'm independent. I don't need it. No, I don't need <laughs> help. I got it. Yeah. And I've gone through some other health things too. And one of them, um, was I have fibromyalgia and I have a few other things that for a time they couldn't diagnose, but it would be like, I was too weak to carry a box into the office. Mm-hmm. So I told my staff, if you ask me, I will always say no. When they said, how can we help? I said, I'll always say no first. Please ask me twice. Oh, that's really good. Right? And so I finally, that would like pause me to be like, oh, you're not receiving. Right. I think one of the things that I've realized in, especially the self-improvement world, or even anybody who's saying I'm positive, positive, is I find the helpers and the healers are the ones that, and they post it up, you know, the strongest are always the ones that are scared to ask for help. But there's so many things people don't see what's going on. And people that are strong are in fear of showing weakness because they think that's going to hurt them by not being looked at as somebody who can help or lead anymore. And that's so false. Yes. And And I love that you're bringing that up. I love that. Yeah. Because I do think that's um, a huge part of being a healer is being authentic. Mm -hmm. So if I can't say like I'll do, I did a couples group. A couple support group for a long time, a free support group. And we would check in every week. And I would start often saying, I don't know how I'm still married this week. Cause I was a raging bitch. Like I'm not going like I have it all together and right. you all need to bow down to me and I'm going to teach you everything you need to know. Yeah. Like I, I can't, yeah. I have to be honest. Those are, those are why some reasons, like I'm not trying to teach on everything. I don't know everything. I'm not a millionaire. I can't teach you prosperity in that way. You know, I'm not a business coach. I don't, I'm still learning business relationship coach. Definitely not. (laughs) But really, I would challenge you on any of that though. If you were called to it, if I was called, if you were called to it, you could teach it based on your own experience, strength and hope. Cause that's all we ever have. Right. Right. Yes. That's all I have to offer you. And that's why sometimes I'm like where you found your niche with spiritual Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the other things you're starting to dive into and where I'm finding mine with action and movement. Right. You know, I'm the person that's going to do it. That's right. I'll kick and scream, but I'll do it. it. And I teach people how to do that too, to move. How to get themselves to, over that right. obstacle, that block. Yeah, yeah, how to beat the shit out of that yes. obstacle. So you're <laughs> climbing over it and I'm tearing it down. We should yeah. partner. <laughs> it's so true. true. It's awesome. just it there's so many different types of people out there and we the people that gravitate towards us, yes. They need us. That's right. And we need them in some way. I totally yeah. agree. I get so much healing from my clients. Sometimes yeah. I'll say to a client, I should pay you. Yeah. Because I've gotten so much. I've, we teach that which we need to learn, mm. which is part of why I don't think we have to know it all. Yeah. Right? We don't have to know it all. We need to let them know that it's okay to not know it all either. And to not do it perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard you say in your podcast just recently, in gen- the January, when that um, 
Am I kind all the time? Hell no. (laughs) Right? And it's like the same with me. I do a lot of relationship coaching. I do a lot of different kinds of coaching. And Mm -hmm. am I always spiritual? Am I always connected? No. No. Because I'm human. I'm in this human experience. One of the things I teach at, at the retreats or my workshops and most recently my speaking engagements mm-hmm. is not just the mindset but and mindset movement but also knowing thyself physically which you were talking about the physical yes. body earlier i'm really into science i've been in science for about 10 years or longer mm-hmm. i didn't know how much it was affecting me yeah to know this and applying it but hormones yes. and women and men. And I learned about more on the women aspect because I'm a woman. First right. Of all. That's the most fun to learn about myself. There's two books that I read that changed my life. One was The Female Brain mm-hmm. and the other was Moody Bitches. Ooh, I haven't heard that when I heard The Female Brain. Yeah, yeah. I gravitated towards Moody Bitches because I was so moody for some reason. It was like a yes. year. I was just straight moody. I was going through all these hormonal changes. I think I was uh, going into 33, 35, somewhere mm-hmm. around that time. Everything was changing. I was always angry. Oh, I was always moody. Wow. And it was, and on my PMS week, it was even worse. Sure. Stay clear of hell in this And week. I was like, what is happening to me? Why is it this person that just mm-hmm. makes me mad? Or is it something inside? Because I was just waking up with it. Right. Wow. And I started learning about my hormones more. The weekly cycles of a woman. Yes, yes. And I couldn't believe it. I felt, <laughs> I felt bad at first for myself. I was like, oh my God, this was handed right? to me. This sucks. But then I thought to myself, you know, I saw the blessings in it through the book. Of course. How beautiful it was to be a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, the rites of passage. Things I didn't really understand as a child right. going into it. The different changes you go through. And then working with the boys in juvenile. Mm-hmm. When I was teaching uh, yoga yeah. in prison. With the Prison Yoga Project, yes. I got a book on the male brain. Oh, started learning smart. about the males, mm-hmm. which helped so much. I bet for understanding not just my son, which yes. was huge, but also males, what In they general. go through. Yeah, absolutely. How their brain is so different, mm-hmm. and it really kind of forced me to step back. Yes, and understand what their changes are. And have more compassion, compassion and patience. Understanding, yes. Right. Oh, I love that. It takes a lot, a, a, a discipline. I mean, you got to shut off Netflix, and right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to pay learn. attention, and yeah. then you got to apply. Yes. So, yeah. You know, um, I love that you said, you know, about how their brains work with men, because there are people that I adore, like I already mentioned, Alison Armstrong. But also David Data, who's a huge, he wrote The Way of the Superior Man is one of his old books, but huge about how different men think and how we can learn to better um, complement mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And um, Brian Reeves, who's on Facebook, Brian with the Y is a huge relationship guru guy, but who's all about um, gender energy differences right mm-hmm. so whether you're a man or a woman if you show up in more masculine energy or feminine energy right. you have these characteristics yes. right yes. so in a homosexual relationship one person probably has more of the feminine or masculine characteristics mm-hmm. in order for there to be chemistry right because it's like a magnet if we have two feminine it's probably yes. not going to match exactly right right we're not going to be drawn that's so true because i was just talking to the founder of the uh, costa rica retreat mm-hmm. yes i'm we- so excited about you pause I'm and say not something. Sure. <laughs> pause it's still and say up it. in the air. Okay. But I will say this. holding your breath. Our breath. One of the things we were talking about is, you know, working with other yoga retreat leaders. And I was saying, based on the what my style of teaching that I bring in, 
I'm more of a masculine energy. Mm-hmm. And I learned that about myself mm-hmm. during the last couple of years. I love that about myself. Absolutely. But in relationships, <laughs> yes, it's, it I've got to shift it a yes. little bit. And that is challenging for me, but I'm learning Beautiful. to, to be more in touch and be more embracive of my femininity and allow the, the man to be more masculine. Yes. With me. And I don't think it has to be, I think, I don't know about you, but for me growing up, um, femininity was about pretty. Mm-hmm. It was about delicate. It was about weak, mm-hmm. which is why I would not embrace it, mm-hmm. right? And um, I think that sometimes we still, when we're trying to, when we make a decision we would like to be more feminine, we sometimes still try to do it in that way when it's actually all about drive. Mm-hmm. The masculine drive is to protect and provide and have freedom. Mm-hmm. The feminine drive is to support and organize and to have connection. Mm, mm. So all we have to do is like flip that switch. Like, am right. I willing to receive? Am I willing to allow yes. him? Because men want a minimum impress us, home run, make us happy. Mm-hmm. Right? If they're, if you're the one they're looking at, man, they just, all they want to do is knock <laughs> their socks off. And if we're so self-sufficient, how can they? Mm-hmm. And yet, when we're single, that's what we protect and provide for ourselves. We right. do it all. Mm-hmm. Especially single moms. I was single too as a mom. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Definitely some unraveling, which goes back to the beginning. Unraveling. (laughs) Unraveling to find the truth that was always there. Yeah. That's the part. We don't have to remake ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's what I like. I just want to get back to my own intrinsic worth. And that's the other thing that I would just want to make sure that I say is like, I'm not establishing my worth by anything I do, say, think, feel, or don't do, or is done to me. My worth is already established in the creation, mm-hmm. right? So we are inherently worthy. We don't have to prove one motherfucking thing to one person. Right. We don't. And how long did it take you to understand that or realize that? I think I'm still integrating it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I'm able to hold it longer and longer. I think probably over the last 10 years is when I really started integrating that, especially because I was from a faith tradition that was very you know, all about original sin and you're bad. And the only reason you should Mm -hmm. even be breathing is because of what they did, you know, the God did. And, um, so it took me some time to Mm -hmm. get back to know I am love. Right. That is who I am. If I will remove all the stuff I put on top. Absolutely. I Mm -hmm. totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Are you going to continue doing your spiritual life coaching or do you see something else coming your way? I think I'll be doing both. I definitely, I love one-on-one and so many people, I know the wave for coaches and I know you're so cute with, you're like, I'm not saying coaches are bad, but I don't <laughs> want to coach. <laughs> and you shouldn't if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. And I love, it's interesting because you said consulting and mentoring and I never use that word about myself, but the more that I'm looking at, cause I've been doing some new trainings and you know, you always want to be upgrading, right? Right the more I realize how much I do consult, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so my consulting would be something like, blah, 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 blah. How does that resonate for you? Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm bringing it back right. to letting you choose, but right. I'm kind of teaching at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I'll definitely be doing that. I love the one-on-ones where the big rage, of course, is all the online. So you can duplicate yourself and right. you can, you know, be earning more. You know, if I can see 30 people in an hour instead of one, of course, my finances mm-hmm. will increase exponentially. So I'll probably get into that space, mm-hmm. I think, coming up. I did the um, 
Gabby Bernstein, 21 Day Manifesting Challenge. Okay. Yeah. Recently. A friend of mine did that. I yeah. I loved it. I love Gabby. Big fan. Mm -hmm. But my boyfriend kept saying, because he would watch it with me, he's like, why aren't you doing this? <laughs> why aren't you? Right. You're like her. You have that same energy. Right. And you're adorable. Why are you not doing it? I was right. like, oh, maybe I will. Well, I'm venturing into um, consulting mentoring. Mm -hmm. And I'm in March, I'll be, well, I'm going to announce it before then, but I'm doing yeah. my five week. Uh, online course my first one and Love it's actually it. going to be a live where I'll be you know uh, video video and write once a week and then during the midweek I'll be uh, you know reaching out to them separately whoever mm -hmm. my clients are and I've decided to do a limited mm -hmm. amount of people smart so that way I can give them the value and the attention they need Love and, and want and I also am trialing it out to see if it's a good fit for me and it's a good fit for my clients. Right. And also because I there's so much I want to give. And I know that for me to just help a limited amount of people, those are going to be my first students who are going to go out and help other people. That's right. Especially with the content that you have because mm -hmm. it's all about helping people help people, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it will. You can start... With that smaller group and then build it as big as you want. Right. And I really played with the idea of coaching for a while. Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of friends who are coaches. And I what I love is when somebody does need a coach, yeah. you know people like you or my yeah. friend Sarah sure. or Shavanna, I could just send people your way. Yes. Because I realize the difference between the two. And you know, life coaching, you're more one on one, you're more Unraveling the yes. word again. I just love that word. Yes, I do too. <laughs> you love dig digging deep into their life and yes. really getting on that level of. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure what the word is. Uh, it's really looking at deep things, which I think does is something a little different about my coaching style than a lot of coaches mm -hmm. are more about. Uh, present or future goals, right? right? I think it's more personal too. Yes. And I'm really mm -hmm. about, you know, I'm a sexual abuse survivor. My father was my perpetrator. And, mm -hmm. you know, so I have a lot of trauma threads that I mm -hmm. can help people release theirs. Right. So I'm not a therapist, but I do do some pretty deep work. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. I respect that with mm -hmm. coaches. Whereas consulting and mentoring mm -hmm. is more my thizzle because... Yes. It's more action-based. It's more external work. It's more taking what's in the mind and putting it out on the you know, in reality. Love it. So it's not really surface. It is surface, but it's also external. It's basically taking that dream and applying it and manifesting it into yes. reality. And what, what I think is so beautiful about what you'll be offering is sometimes we just need an accountability partner. Right. Like I would need you to mirror to me. Okay, but Susan, last week you said... X, Y, and Z are the next things you need to do to get where you want to go. And this mm -hmm. week you haven't done it. What the hell's going right. on? Yes. Right? Yeah. I'm the person that's going to say, hey, let's get right. it done today. Right. And, and then message me when you've done it. Right. right? <laughs> exactly. When we get off this video conference, I want you to go do yeah. that. My goal is to make, make it happen. Yes. And that external work is where they reach out to you yeah. to find out why they're not making it happen right. because I'm going to, I'm the, I'm that tough love. I want it yes. to happen because I know you want it to happen. That's right. Cause you care about your client's happiness. Yeah. And that's what, you know, that's a big thing that I'll do. You know, a lot of coaches, when they take someone in, they're all about visioning and what is your goal? Mm -hmm. And that will probably be something you include too. And for a lot of people and a lot of consultants or coaches, it's about a thing, right? I want to launch my business. I want to live my passion. Right. For me, most of my clients, 
we drill it down to, I want to be freaking happy. Right. I want to be happy, mm-hmm. joyous, and free. And I say, guess what? Mm-hmm. That's your birthright. Yes. All yes. we have to do is grab it. And sometimes they need people in your yeah. industry to tell them that. Yes. Because it's so hard for them to feel that way. Because they've been told they don't deserve it. Right. Exactly. We've been told. Many of us. Yeah. Most of us. Yeah. It's a small percentage of people that had a functional upbringing. That's what I say. I'm the how-to person. Because yes. I remember that's how I got into this. Yes. I wanted to know how to do this. How do you do social media? How do you, you know, do these things? And there's so many, so much information out there. Oh, okay. Maximum recording time for segment is 60 minutes. We're coming up to. Oh gosh, already. (laughs) There's so much we can talk about, but we do have to end this podcast. Um, Where can people find you? I am um, on Facebook, the Dufo Difference Life Coaching, and then meetup.com forward slash healing hearts through love. I love that. Are you on Instagram? I am on Instagram as Susan Dufo, D-U-F-A-U-L-T. I have to say I haven't been active in that that scene, but I'll be getting back now that I'm feeling better. And are you, do you have a website? I'm building it. I've been playing. I'll tell you, I know we have to go, but real quick about me, I have this mindset that I was better to attract, not promote. So I was very mm. anti-marketing. Yeah. So I haven't done anything like that for all these years. And now I'm like, well, maybe I can help more people if they know where to find me. Right. So I'll that's be on where, that. That's where it's at. Yeah. And when you're thinking that way. Yeah. And help more people if I do this. Exactly. This is just a platform for helping more people. Reaching. Reaching more people. Because what if they need us, Helen, and they can't find us? Ugh, that is exactly right? why... We doing the things that maybe we don't like it, but we're doing it because we know somebody's out there who's looking for us. And that's why your program will be so helpful to help other people get out there too. Yeah. And if you guys need a spiritual coach, you know where to find her. I'll put her information in the details below uh, or on this podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Susan, so much. And thank you for all the work you do. You're such a gift to the world, honey. Thank you. So grateful. Yeah, you guys can find me, Helen, Mm -hmm. (laughs) on Hell of a Journey with 1L on Instagram, Sexy Freedom Media on Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, Hell of a Journey, my website, sexyfreedommedia.com or sexyfreedom.com. Please subscribe and leave your messages and sharing is caring. Thank you so much. Talk to you guys next time. Want to hear more? Uh, Visit us at sexyfreedommedia.com.